Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. My name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor of Alliance Church out here in Hortonville. And I just want to start by saying Merry Christmas. I love this time of year. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know if there's any Grinches in the room right now. I assume no. Uh, I love the, the lights and the trees and the candy canes and the hot chocolates and the presents and the goofy Christmas movies and the music, the eggnog, the whole shooting match. I love it, man. I love Christmas and I especially love the time with the family. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, at the Hillstad household, we got some big plans for tomorrow. I mean, we're going to be in our pajamas. I might smoke some meat. Uh, there will be board games, and uh, I don't know if we'll be able to pull this one off or not, but we're going to give it our best shot. We'll try to consume more calories in one day than we have all month. So it's going to be good. We got a quirky little tradition in our family that we inherited from another family years ago. Uh, every Christmas Eve, when the kids have gone to bed, my wife Melanie and I will take the little baby Jesus from the nativity and we'll hide him somewhere in the house. Now, someone after the last service asked me, have you ever lost him? <laughs> Not yet. And I hope, ne- I, hope, I hope it never happens, but we'll hide baby Jesus somewhere in the house. And then when Christmas morning, when the kids wake up, before we open a single present, they've got to find baby Jesus. And here's the kicker. Whoever finds baby Jesus gets to open the first present. The idea here is to create a fun moment for the kids. Mom and dad get to sleep in just a little bit longer. And the emphasis is put, even if just in a symbolic way, on Jesus. That's that's a pretty good idea, Uh, usually, (laughs) in theory. I say that because uh, if you have any Christmas traditions, you know. Some years, they go well. Other years, not so well. (laughs) So... For us, on the years when it goes not so well, let's just say, for example, not that we would ever do this, but say mom and dad do just a little too good a job hiding baby Jesus. Uh, The house will eventually descend into a war zone. Mom and dad don't get any bonus sleep. And by the time someone actually finds baby Jesus, everyone's Christmas spirit is just a little more Grinch and a little less Buddy the Elf, if you know what I'm saying. But it it usually goes well, and when it does, kids have fun, mom and dad get to rest, get a cup of coffee, and everyone loves and is just a a little bit more mindful of Jesus. That's, That's the point. What's my point here? I love all things Christmas, uh, but here's what I love the most, is the emphasis that is put especially on the birth of, of Jesus. See, big picture here, there's, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot to love about Christmas, but ultimately, Christmas is a big deal for one reason and one reason alone. That is the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, the entire first part of the Bible builds up to his birth, foretelling his birth, anticipating his birth. And the fact that he was born, the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was born in Bethlehem is indisputable. The question isn't whether or not he was born. The question is, why should you care? Like what's, what's this birth of this guy so many years ago, what has that got to do with you, what's that got to do with me in 2021? 
Well, listen, I think a great, a great answer to that question is found right here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Now, what's going to happen in this passage is an angel is going to appear to a group of shepherds, and he is going to proclaim to them why exactly the birth of Jesus is so important, such a big deal. You hear that? So it answers the question, okay, Jesus was born, but why should, why should I care? Now, I want to read this together, but I want to encourage you. Before I read, especially if you're familiar with this passage and you've, you've heard it so many times, don't let the richness of this passage be lost on you because of your familiarity with it. Okay? So let's, let's read this together. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Would you pray with me? God, right now in this moment, would you give us ears to hear this message that this angel proclaimed to these shepherds so many years ago. Would you help us to hear it right now? And would you do that work in us, Lord, that, 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 that heart work that only you can do that would help us to not just hear this message, but to receive it in a way that changes us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Okay, so did you hear, did you hear what the, uh, the angel had to say to the shepherds there? Uh, I want you to enter in a little bit to the scene. Uh, try, to, try to see the sights, feel the feels, and smell the scents, if you will. They, 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 there's these shepherds, and they're, they're out with their, with their sheep, and I, an angel appears to them, and they're terrified, and rightfully so. I mean, you ever been relaxing after a hard day's work, and an angel appeared to you while you're on the couch? I don't want watching reruns. No, it doesn't happen. This is not ordinary. This is exceptional. So this angel appears to them. They're, they're freaked out. And he says, no, listen, listen, it's okay. Don't freak out. Don't be terrified. Don't, 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 don't have fear right now. He says, I got good news. I've got good news. I've got really good news for you guys. The, 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 great joy for all people type of good news. I've got the best kind of news for you. Something happened and it's going to change your life. It's going to change everything. You got to hear this. So what's the news? Verse 11, he says, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Someone has been born. That's what has happened. Someone has been born, and he has been born for you, unto you, for you. He is born. And it's not just anyone. This is not just another Joe Schmo. This is the Savior. It's not just another man. This is the Christ. This is the Lord. 
And he was born today. He's, he's here. That's the news. He's here and he's for you. Man, that's, that's good news. That's about as good a news as, as could ever be announced to anyone to any, at any place at any time all throughout history. So if we look at these three titles for Jesus, Savior, Christ, Lord, they will help us understand why this is such a big deal, why the birth of Jesus is so important. So with the question in mind, I allow you to just be, be a little skeptical right now with me. I give you that permission, okay? With the question in mind, okay, Jesus was born. Why should I care? With that in mind, let's look at each of these three titles and hear what the angel had to say on the matter. First title for Jesus is Savior. Now, what on earth does that mean? It just means the rescuer. It means the one who would deliver people from their deepest oppression. This is, this is the solution to our biggest problem. You see, the birth of Jesus is a big deal because we have a big problem. If you read Genesis chapters 1, chapter 2, you will know that we had something precious in the garden. But then you read chapter 3 and you realize we lost it in the fall. So you read in there, it becomes very clear very quickly that you and I, are, we were designed to thrive in the context of a loving and perfect and joy-filled, fulfilling relationship with God. The, 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 the type of, we're made, we're wired for the type of relationship with God that will answer life's three biggest questions. Where, where'd I come from? Where am I going? And maybe the most important one, what, what's this all about? What's the point? So this is the, the why of our existence is found in a relationship with God in, in that context. But that relationship, you got to understand, was broken by sin. See, God is, is love. Absolutely. But he's also good. You've got to understand this. He is perfectly good, which means that he cannot tolerate in his presence anything that dishonors him or hurts other people. And that's what sin is. It's anything that dishonors God or hurts other people. And it's not just about sin. It's about sin and all its consequences that, that complicates this problem. See, when sin entered the world, it held the door open for all sorts of pain and sorrow, suffering, even death. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is not how we were wired. This isn't, this isn't the way it was intended to be. But it's the way it is. See... You and I, we were born into a broken world. That means being born into that broken world, we also inherited a broken nature. We should have no problem admitting our sin. Right? 
you and me in this room, we can just be honest with ourselves about our sin. We should have no problem admitting it because we come by it honestly, as the saying goes, right? We were born into this broken, flawed, sin-marred existence. But if we're honest with ourselves, we will know that we're not just innocent victims either, are we? The apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree, right? We, we all seem to walk in our Father's footsteps. The sin we inherit, we also perpetuate and then eventually pass on. Well, the sin that we're, we're born into, that broken, sin-marred existence that we're born into, we keep it going. We kind of keep that tradition alive. I don't know if you're willing to admit it or not, but I have no problem telling you. When I look in my review mirror, man, even when I look in the regular mirror, there's a whole lot in my life, in my past, and in my present, and I guarantee you it'll be in my future too. There's a whole lot that dishonors God. We've all dishonored God. And we've hurt other people. Probably more times than we can count. The sin we inherit, we perpetuate. And then we pass on. And on and on it goes. And if someone doesn't reach down and save us out of this mess, you and I are hopeless. No savior means no hope. But I've got some good news. It's the same good news that this angel had for these shepherds 2,000 years ago. God did not leave us without hope. For unto us is born this day a savior. The angel says in, in, in the book of Matthew, you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. Amen. That's Jesus. That's why he came. That's why we should care about his birth. Now, the second title, The Christ. Now, this one, what on earth does this mean? We, all, we often say it together. Right? Jesus Christ. It's like I'd say Brandon Hillstead. Like it's, it was his last name or something. It's not, a, it's not his last name. He's not the child of Mr. and Mrs. Christ. He didn't have a little brother, Bobby Christ, or something like that. He, it, it's a title for an office. The Christ, see what this word means. Christ is, the, follow this. Christ is the English word for the Greek word that was used for the Hebrew word that is used for the English word Messiah. You follow that? The Greek, the Greek word Christos is, is what is used in place of the Hebrew word for Messiah. Christ simply means Messiah. Cool. What on earth does Messiah mean and why should I care? Glad you asked. It, it, it speaks of anointing. It simply means the one who is anointed. And it's referring specifically to the one God has anointed. Have you ever read in the Old Testament when God was going to choose a, a king, when he was going to appoint someone to lead his people, oil would be used to anoint that future leader. The best example of this is found in 1 Samuel chapter 16, when God had chosen David to become the next king. He sends the prophet Samuel, and when Samuel sees David, uh, the, the word of God says this, 
the Lord said to Samuel, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. You hear that? This is the guy. And so then Samuel took the horn of oil. Now, this is how you, you carried your uh, oil back in the day. It was with a, a horn. And if you wanted to fly, it had to be 3.2 ounces. He took the horn of oil. I'm, I'm unscrewing it as if they had caps. Uh, how many ever thousands of years ago? And he anointed him with it. Uh, he poured it all over his head in the midst of his brothers. There were seven other brothers there. And, and God says, this is the one that I picked. This is my choice. I picked David. And then it says this, and the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. You see, God had chosen David and then he empowered him to do the job. See, the word Christ means the one anointed by God. And that anointing represents God's choosing. He's the one God has chosen, and it represents God's empowering him. Jesus is the one God has chosen to do the job, and he's the one he, God has empowered to get it done. Why should you care? Because we don't get to choose our Savior. I know that's not the common message that is heard in 2021. Um, most people would prefer the fact that you could choose your Savior from a whole smorgasbord of saviors, and you just find one that you like that fits your preferences, and you go with that one. But that's, God, God says, that's not how it works. And people say, but there are many paths in the forest. Sure. But there's only one that's actually going to lead you to where you want to go. Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It's his universe, his rules. That means he decides how to forgive our sins, not us. He decides how to repair the relationship that we otherwise break. It's God who decides how to save us. And God says there's no one who saves except the Messiah. There is no Savior except for the Christ. So I plead with you. Do not reject the one God has chosen. He is the Christ. Now for this final title, the Lord. This is my favorite one, I think, because this would have been the most scandalous one of them all. At the time, you think about this, I want you to wrap your brain around this. Luke, the author of this book, uses the word, the Lord, that at the time the Hebrews used to speak of Yahweh. The word, the Lord here, speaks of, of God himself, the creator of the heavens and the earth, right? The, the one who holds the universe and spins galaxies in his hand. And Paul, or Luke uses that term to talk about this baby that was born in a manger. This is scandalous. But I tell you, Luke isn't the only New Testament writer to use language like this. 
In fact, every single New Testament writer uses the language of Christ and Lord together. Jesus is Lord. I want to give you just one example of another author. This is Paul. This is a guy who saw the ascended Christ with his own eyeballs. And he says this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. He says, he, and this is the one that was born. This is the one that was in swaddling cloths in the, in the manger. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created, get this, through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, for in this little baby, for in Jesus of Nazareth, for the one who was born in Bethlehem that day to Joseph and Mary, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile Let's repair that relationship to himself, all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is Jesus, and that is our Savior. That is why Christmas is such a big deal. And the angel comes and he says, that's him, he's here. And Matthew says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, meaning God with us. <laughs> and the angels telling the shepherds, that's the one. He's been born today. He's here. We got good news. All other religions will tell you, you do this, this, and that. And if you're good enough, you might be able to pull this off. You'll, you'll just climb up to God. The, the gospel that's the same gospel the angel was proclaiming to the shepherds 2,000 years ago, says, man, we could never pull that off. Are you kidding me? So God climbed down to us. We cannot climb any moral ladder to God. So he came down to us, to you. And I just so love the heart of God on display here. Always, he always sees the unseen. He always, he always is reaching out to the, the, the outcasts and the misfits and the ones who are overlooked by all the rest of society. He goes and sends an angel to announce this good news to shepherds. You know, these are the guys that hung out with sheep more than they hung out with humans. Okay, you got, you got anyone in your life that likes animals more than they like people? It was those kind of guys, all right? These were, the, what I'm saying, social outcasts, religious outcasts even. By their employment, they were ceremonially unclean. Okay? These were the overlooked. 
these were not the ones that were the poster child for godliness or religion. And he sends the, the angels to them. Not the rich, not the powerful, not the super religious, but the common, flawed, working man. And I love it. That's our God. That's our Jesus. Man, and, 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 and he's saying, I've got good news for you. He's here. He's here. He's born. And he's for you, unto you, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. That is the good news. For unto you is born this day, God's love in a body. Miss Jesus. That's the good news. That's why Christmas is kind of a big deal. That's why the birth of Christ is noteworthy. So how should we respond to such good news? Well, let's take a gander at the response of the shepherds. They, they have a three-part response in the following paragraph. Three, three things. First thing they do, they go and they discover Jesus for themselves. Verses 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. First thing they do, they don't waste any time. They go, I gotta see for myself. I hear it, I believe, now I gotta go find this Jesus for myself. Second thing they do is they go and they start telling other people. The good news that they heard and then verified with their own eyeballs, they, they start telling everyone else about it, verses 17 through 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. When they saw it, they made it known. Finally, they go about their lives in a way that glorifies God. Look at this, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, that's to the fields, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They just go back to work. What do you do when you find out Jesus is Lord? You live your life in a way that is glorifying to him. How do we respond to the good news that Jesus was born? We discover him for ourselves. We go tell others the good news about him. And then we go back to work, but we do it different. We do it in a way that glorifies and praises God. So I got to ask you right now, no one else in the room personally. Don't think about anyone else. What about you? I imagine you're not a shepherd. Odds are pretty good that you're not a shepherd. And uh, I got the scientific evidence to prove that I am definitely not an angel. But Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what that means is, is that this good news about him is as every bit as relevant today as it was the day it was first spoken. So my question is, what are you going to do with the good news you've heard. Like the shepherds, have you discovered Jesus for yourself? Like the real Jesus, not a fake religious straw man version of Jesus, 
But have you discovered, have you looked and seen and sought and experienced Jesus for yourself? Have you gotten in here and met the real Jesus? If you haven't, make like the shepherds and go with haste and find him. Don't delay, don't waste time, don't blow this off. Jesus is too good and life's too short. Discover him. Second, if you have discovered him, like the shepherds, who are you telling about him? Are you making it known? And third, like the shepherds, how can you live your life in a way that praises and glorifies God? Church, let's not live as if Jesus were not born. Let's not live like none of this ever happened because he was born and it changes everything. Let's discover Jesus. Let's tell other people about Jesus and let's live our lives to the glory of Jesus. For unto us, us this day is born a Savior, love, Jesus, who is Christ the Lord. Stand and let's worship this Savior of ours.